Coworkers, welcome back to another episode of Coworking, the podcast that brings you the conversations you're currently missing from your workplace. All right. So before before we get into this episode, episode three, I have an addendum to make to episode two. <gasps> Tell me more. Okay. So if you haven't if you haven't listened to episode two, pause this one, go listen to that one because I'm going to spoil it the whole thing. So okay. So at the end of my story in episode two where I got my appendix removed. Uh, and I had about a one-week period where the surgeon told me I cannot lift more than 10 pounds. And of course, mm-hmm. my my baby weighed 10 and a half pounds, so I, <laughs> I did not lift him for the week. My wife wanted it to be known that uh, prior to me not being able to lift 10 pounds, she was recovering from a C-section for six weeks. Oh, no. And... Not once, <laughs> not once during her recovery did she ever try to get out of lifting anything. In fact, it was oh. it was me that was often trying to uh, prevent her from from lifting some things because I was very concerned for her. She was not that concerned, so uh, she was uh, much more of a tough it out kind of spirit <laughs> while while going through her recovery. Um, everything about her recovery was far worse than my recovery. Again. Uh, getting my appendix out, I had three three small incisions that were like a centimeter each. Hers was like the, I don't know what it is, like seven or eight inch scar right across the abdomen there. I have not heard of doctors being able to bring a baby into the world <laughs> through laparoscopic surgery. That's not, when we can get there, moms of the world are going to be super stoked. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, so, so yes, uh, if they're ever in the last story... If there ever seemed like there was a lack of sympathy from my wife, mm-hmm. it's probably got something to do with that, that she had just <laughs> been through something far worse than what I had been through. But you're so stoic. Oh, I still am. I, I, I mean, I still own that. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. So that, All right. The record has been set. It has. It's officially official now. That, that That's the full wrap on episode two. Uh, so the topic... For episode three, uh, this is one that we've actually talked about at work in the past, but I don't think that you were there for this conversation. I don't think I was either. Um, So I think a lot of people grow up eating some weird food combination, but they don't realize it's weird until some stage later on in life. So I think a lot of Nebraska kids, you know, they go through this with chili and cinnamon rolls. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Uh, I know you said you went to school in Buffalo. I can't remember if you had experience in Nebraska before that, or mm-hmm. if your first experience with chili and cinnamon rolls was when we had it in the office. Yeah, my first chili and cinnamon rolls uh, was when I started a graduate program in Omaha, and there were folks who were just so excited about <laughs> it, and I thought, that is the grossest thing I have yeah. ever heard. Oh, yeah. So. But, you know, with kids in Nebraska, we don't learn that everybody else thinks it's a ridiculous thing or that they've just never heard of it. And then, you know, you grow up, you go to college, maybe you go out to Oregon or something and all your friends are like, hey, we're going to have a chili cook-off. And you're like, cool, I'll bring the cinnamon rolls. And they're like, you're going to what now? Do you understand what chili is? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Is, is chili called something different where you're from? Why are cinnamon <laughs> rolls involved in this? Uh, but yeah, but I'm not here to talk about chili and cinnamon rolls. Uh, so, you know, we were sharing some of ours and then there was also one that, uh, had been talked about on Twitter quite a bit. So I've talked about this enough that I don't think that I have, uh, any unknown weird food combinations left. I, I think that I've sussed them all out. Um, <laughs> but I do have one that I have yet to meet another person, not in my immediate family that has ever heard of this or tried it. Uh, and that is cottage cheese with cinnamon and sugar on top. Oh. Most people's first reaction is, that's gross. Like, So I've never actually eaten cottage cheese. So <laughs> I, I don't have a good baseline. Yeah. It, so most people, it seems like most people don't like cottage cheese to begin with. Uh, yeah. And it's not even necessarily the tasting. It's the texture. It's just, it's like kind of wet, but chunky at the same time. Yeah, pick a texture, cottage cheese. <laughs> just just choose one. Don't try to be everything. But yeah, growing up, my mom would have us eat cottage cheese this way, and I always loved it. Uh, now, I I do think that I could put cinnamon and sugar on top of just about anything, and I would like it. <laughs> and maybe that was my mom's way of just getting us kids to eat cottage cheese. Because, um, mm -hmm. I mean, th there was more to it than just, like, sprinkling uh, some cinnamon and sugar on top of a glob of cottage cheese. I turned it into an art form of maximizing my cinnamon and sugar intake, really. Smart. <laughs> so That's I would, smart. you know, I'd put cottage cheese on a plate and I'd kind of flatten it out. And then I would just start dumping cinnamon sugar on top. And I knew I had enough when it stopped dissolving into the cottage cheese. <laughs> and then, then when I ate it, you know, I would scoop it up on a spoon like nice and flat so that there's still a, like my even layer of cinnamon sugar on top. And then as I put it in my mouth, just like quickly flip it over. So that literally the only thing hitting my tongue is cinnamon sugar. Mm -hmm. But I, I really liked it. Uh, and then I think it was sometime in college, there was one year where I was responsible for my own food ever. <laughs> uh, and I decided to, to get some cottage cheese. And I was like, man, I'm going to relive the relive my earlier days here. And that's when I realized that that is a weird thing. Not everybody so, eats cottage cheese that so way. Are you supposed to put anything on cottage cheese? Or? I don't know what cottage cheese is for. Uh, <laughs> when when I've talked to people, most people have mentioned it being on salads. Which that also feels really weird to me. Yeah, I, I like, think it would be more gross on a salad. Yeah. My my wife had also mentioned uh, she worked at a daycare where they would mix cottage cheese with mandarin oranges and feed that to the kids. Interesting. That feels more of your sweet camp. I'm I'm Team Greg on this one. I don't think that's if if we were to have met when you were in college and I were to have seen you put cinnamon sugar on your cottage cheese it would have been like cool man you do your thing <laughs> you do you yeah you do you yeah but yeah i'm not out here judging i i asked my mom about it where this came from and she said so she grew up on a farm in rural colorado and she said that's just the way they ate it as kids interesting so still don't know where it came from haven't met anybody else that has eaten it that way uh, i have had one person ever tell me oh i've heard of somebody eating cottage cheese with maple syrup on top that one's kind of weird too. 
it feels it feels similar though where you've got like a sweet almost like a i i liken cinnamon sugar to be a breakfast type of like it's on donuts or <laughs> cinnamon toast crunch yeah like that makes yeah. sense and then maple syrup yeah it feels like a similar meal time i just assume that's a canadian thing <laughs> like if they're gonna eat anything they don't like they're just gonna douse it in maple syrup and call it good so do you still eat cottage cheese this way no but well i don't really eat cottage cheese at all because i mentioned there was only one year of my life where i was responsible for my own food mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that year has passed and my wife buys all the food now <laughs> So does your does your wife like cottage cheese? No, or is no. She, yeah. So you're just you're a no cottage cheese home then. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I think there's there's been a few times ever that we bought it. I want to say it was for lasagna. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. Uh, I want to say my wife had a lasagna recipe that called for feta cheese, which she dislikes more than cottage cheese. So, so she went with the cottage cheese instead. Interesting, because usually it's ricotta. Maybe it was ricotta. I don't know my cheeses. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, ricotta. So my husband is not a fan of soft cheeses like that. So he's not a huge ricotta fan. I love ricotta. Uh, But yeah, we're not a home that has a ton of spreadable or very soft, runny cheeses like that. So yeah, I get it. So have you run into this experience where you find out that something that you grew up eating is considered weird to the people around you? Yeah. So I am not from Nebraska. So coming to Nebraska, telling people about things that I ate on the East Coast, different experience, very different experience. So this this wasn't something that I ate growing up, but when uh, when I was in grad school, again, I was responsible for the food that I put in my own body. No one else was responsible. I came upon this breakfast meat that I knew that my grandfather had loved. And it was at most of the diners in Pennsylvania. And so as a, a grad student hanging out, feeding myself, I had learned about Scrapple, which is a breakfast meat. So when you go to a diner or based another on the breakfast name, place. Just based on the name, I would not have guessed this is a meat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it is once I tell you a little bit more about right, the right. name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I ordered it whenever I went out to breakfast. If a restaurant had it, I would order it because it was so tasty. So, yeah, you know how usually when you order... Like a combo breakfast, they ask you if you want sausage or bacon. And in, in so I lived mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. outside of Philadelphia. Scrapple was a third breakfast meat option. Okay. Maybe fourth if you count sausage patty or sausage sausage links. Like there's, that was the, the fourth option other than bacon. <laughs> so Scrapple uh, is no longer made the same way that it was when it was made hundreds of years ago. Uh, but Scrapple, when it was made by the Pennsylvania Dutch, okay. Uh, the Pennsylvania Dutch. I'm gonna I'm gonna do uh, an offshoot tangent here. Pennsylvania Dutch are a group of German speaking immigrants that came over to America. They landed in Pennsylvania. They are not Dutch. 
they're not from the Netherlands. They're actually <laughs> from Germany. Okay. But uh, Dutch sounds very close to the dialect of German that they spoke. And so Pennsylvania Dutch is kind of a misnomer for them. So they would take the scraps of pork that they didn't use. They were trying to use the whole animal. They okay. would <laughs> mush it up, create like this this pork paste with all of the leftover parts, all of the scraps. And they would mix it with like cornmeal and they would squish it into a loaf. I'm not using the best language to make this sound tasty. Yeah, this does not sound appealing at all. Yeah, yeah. So they would form it into a loaf. You would slice it. So you would have like these, I don't know, maybe half inch to an inch thick slices of this meatloaf. Okay. You would fry it on either side. So it was very crispy on the outside and almost soft on the inside. And it has like breakfast sausage type herbs in it. So there's sage. I love like a really black peppery one. So Scrabble is not made in that manner anymore where it's like <laughs> is it illegal the now? heart and the liver. <laughs> I don't know if it's illegal, but they were like, hey, you know what? We can use nicer cuts of pork in this <laughs> breakfast meat. So when you look at the package, oh, you can buy it in the store too. You can buy it in the store in the state of Pennsylvania. Wow. I'm sure throughout the mid-Atlantic too, because I don't I don't think it stayed in Pennsylvania where only if you're from Pennsylvania, you know what this meat is. So they actually got other people to buy into it then. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I th I'm pretty sure the Pennsylvania Dutch landed in Pennsylvania and then a lot of them spread out throughout <laughs> the mid-Atlantic. I think it's delicious. There is something like salty and peppery and... It's sausage without being traditional sausage. It is so good, and I miss it so much. And I told my now husband, then boyfriend, about Scrapple. He goes, that's the grossest thing <laughs> I've ever heard. I don't understand what that is. So we went on a big Wikipedia hole, uh, just like diving into understanding what Scrapple was so that he could understand it. I just knew what it was, and I never questioned where it came from <laughs> i remember talking to my grandfather about it and talking to him about how much i loved scrapple he was like i love scrapple too this is great <laughs> yeah so have you ever had a quote-unquote more traditional scrapple or only the the newer strategy of the the nicer cuts of meat put in if i have i didn't know it <laughs> yeah i don't think i i honestly don't think i could tell Unless, because I'm sure along with the scrap parts, they put in some of the other stuff just to make it taste pretty good. Yeah. But it's, yeah, if I did eat a more traditional preparation of Scrapple, I have no clue. So when you buy it in a store, is mm -hmm. it just like a ground meat and you have to put it into the meatloaf form? It comes pre-loafed for you. <laughs> it comes like in a in a package um, and it's like just plastic around the whole thing. And then you kind of cut into it in order to unleash the loaf from its, its little... Have you ever bought... Um, I know the Costco ground meat comes in like this big tube. Oh, just yeah. Just cut yeah. the end off of it. Yeah, it's like that, but square. Like it's that kind of, okay. at least the, the packages that I bought. And so then you just, you cut off your slice and then you fry it on both sides. Yep. That, that is interesting. Yeah. You, 
you don't have to season it anymore, but if you want to, you can throw extra salt and pepper on there if you want it like really, really peppery. Now, I don't suppose you've ever found Scrabble in any of the stores here in Nebraska. I have not looked very closely <laughs> because I figured it was a fool's errand to try to find Scrabble yeah. in Nebraska, but my husband swears that he's seen it someplace, but he can't remember where it would have been. So I, I have not actively looked. It might be here. If you're in Nebraska and you have seen it, hit hit <laughs> us up. Because I would love to revisit the uh, salty, peppery breakfast meat that is Scrabble. Now, have you ever tried to look up to see if anybody will ship it online? I've not done it with Scrapple, but I've done it with something called Chudder. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Who's coming up with these names <laughs> in this Pennsylvania Dutch? Very, very lazy people. They're just like, what is it? What scraps? Cool scrapple. Um, no, ch yeah, chutter is. I told you earlier, I like ricotta cheese. Mm -hmm. um, chutter is a soft, spreadable cheese that you can get in upstate New York, and it's sold at Wegmans. Wegmans is the greatest grocery store <laughs> that has ever existed. It's like a small town in the grocery store. Okay, it's incredible. Shout out Wegmans. Uh, so we've, we've bought it at Wegmans before, and it's great to just stick a cracker in it and just scoop it up and eat it. It's incredible. I've, I've attempted to do that with Chudder, um, trying to buy it online and ship it. But the shipping alone oh, yeah. really deterred me. And I was like, I'm there's something about shipping dairy that <laughs> kind of turned me off. And then, so I, I, I've thought about it with Scrapple, but I've never, I've never actually pressed the add to cart button. I know some people that move away from Nebraska and they really miss their runzas, they can get those shipped online, um, oh, but it's super gosh. expensive because of the shipping. Because they, I think oh, they have sure. to pack it with dry ice to keep it frozen. That makes sense. Uh, when the pandemic started, I wasn't sure what, the protocols were like, I wasn't sure what was safe. Most people probably didn't know either, but I had such a hankering for ice cream and didn't know if I could like go to the store and just get a tub of ice cream. So I just bought Ben and Jerry's online and it came <laughs> to my home in dry ice. Oh, Let me wow. tell you that that was the most I've ever spent on pints of ice cream. However, <laughs> in uh, I think I bought five pints of ice cream and along with my ice cream, they included a lid lock so that I could put a three digit code in and no one else in my home could steal my pint of Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> that has not been used because A, my husband's not really a sweets person and B, maybe I'll eat from that same pint twice so there's really no long-term use for a lid lock but the one that is great is it came with a koozie for oh, my wow. pint so i could put the pint of ice cream in a koozie <laughs> hand doesn't get cold it's we're using science for the right things <laughs> is what i'm trying to say yeti's gonna make one vacuum seal oh, that's next it's gonna be great yep uh, so the, the other one, the other weird food item that I wanted to bring up, this one I've never tried and I never heard of until, uh, it was sometime last year. Uh, this was talked about a lot on Twitter 
for a short while. And then we talked about it at work, but I don't, I don't think you were part of this conversation. Milk Coke, which is exactly what it sounds what, like. Okay. I was going to say, I know what those two words mean <laughs> separately. Uh, it is people that voluntarily mix milk and I don't know if they mean Coca-Cola or if it's people from the place where they call all sodas Coke, but I'm going to assume it's Coca-Cola. Maybe Pepsi is a good substitute. Uh, but there was, a, there was a comedian on Twitter that posted a picture. I think he was in the UK. And he posted a picture of him drinking something that looked like brown milk, light brown milk. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, here, we love our milk Coke. But because he's a comedian, nobody knows if he's serious or not. <laughs> because the first reaction of everybody that has ever heard of milk Coke is... That's gross. Yeah, exactly. You, you cannot mix those two things. Those, like, you just assume that if I took a drink of milk and then a drink of Coke, something terrible is going to happen inside my stomach. That, right. Like, that's just what you envision. So, you know, putting those two things into a glass together and then drinking it, it sounds even worse. But then, almost everybody, they start thinking about it a little bit more. They're like, well, wait a minute. I mean, I really like root beer floats. That's mm. that's a little bit of a dairy product and then and then a soda and, and that's really good. So maybe milk coke wouldn't be so bad. But still, on Twitter, nobody knew if this guy was being serious because he's a comedian. <laughs> uh and then there of course there were lots of other people that were like, Oh yeah, I, I have milk coke all the time. But you don't know if they're serious because right. the internet is in full of trolls. Joke. Yeah. They yeah. could just be trolling, trying to get other people to try this potentially terrible thing. Um so then I, I started searching around for evidence. Like, is there evidence from before this comedian made this post that this is a thing that people actually like? Uh, and there is some evidence. The, the strongest one that I found uh, was the old TV show, Laverne and Shirley, which I never watched. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I've only seen it when I was trying to fall asleep and like Nick at Night or TV Land was on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'd never watched it um, pretty much just because there were never reruns on when I was a kid. Like, I watched a lot of other old shows. Gilligan's Island, I probably saw the entire the entire thing of that. <laughs> uh, so this show, Laverne and Shirley, one of the characters, Laverne, uh, her like, comfort drink of choice on this show was Pepsi and milk mixed together. And so, wow. you know, this was going on in like the late 70s that, that this show mm-hmm. was on. Um, and the reason, supposedly the reason that was her drink on the show was because the actual actress, I think her name was Penny Marshall. Mm -hmm. Uh, she said that was her favorite drink growing up. Um, she would like, if she was tasked with drinking a cup of milk, when she got down to the end of it, she would just like grab a Pepsi and pour some of that in there. And (laughs) that's how she would finish her milk, which is, uh, I guess, kids like weird sugary things so i could kind of see that growing on a person i get the root beer float angle but it still seems a little bit of a stretch so so here's the other crazy thing about milk coke uh as i was researching this more and more if you mix just regular milk uh it can be skim it can be whole milk anywhere in between and a regular Coca-Cola and let it sit for like half an hour, 
the Coke will become clear and you'll have a brown sludgy stuff at the bottom. That does not make me feel great. <laughs> uh, and so there's an actual chemical reaction that happens between milk and Coke. Uh, where it, I think I want to say it was the proteins in the milk. They bind to certain pieces of the Coke to make these tiny little like globs. And uh, part of the piece from Coke that binds to the milk is the color. And so all the color just kind of falls to the bottom of your bottle of Coke. Uh, and my takeaway from that is that is the path to getting your Crystal Pepsi back. Oh my gosh. Crystal Pepsi started in the seventies and we <laughs> didn't even know. Yeah. Oh boy. I don't know that I've ever had and enjoyed Crystal Pepsi, but I hear a lot of other people talk about it. So I just assume that they want to know <laughs> that this is how you can get Crystal Pepsi back is yep. you, you got to mix milk and Coke, let it sit for mm -hmm. half an hour and then uh, run it through a strainer. <laughs> <laughs> And then maybe probably through a soda stream to like get some of the bubbles back in there too. Cause I'm sure if you leave it for half an hour, the, some of the bubbles have just gone. I don't know. It loses its carbonation. I don't know what happens to the bubbles. Uh, but yes, as I, <sighs> as I searched around about this more and more, I did find uh, actual videos of people trying it. Like people that assumed it was going to be terrible and they tried it and they're like, Oh, that's actually kind of good. The other really weird thing that I found, as if the, you know, making Crystal Pepsi wasn't the weird part. <laughs> uh, you know, there were a lot of people that instantly went to the analogy of a root beer float. Mm -hmm. uh, but then there are a lot of people that refer to them as Coke floats, which I never heard of mixing Coke with ice cream. And I want to know who the F doesn't have access to root beer that they can make a proper root beer float. Who is using Coke? Yeah. Unless, again. Like you're that desperate for a float that yeah. you're just like, what else is brown and carbonated? Coke, perfect. Give me that. <laughs> again, unless they're coming from the land where they refer to all sodas as Coke. Slight tangent. What did you refer to? Or what, what word did you use to refer to pop or soda? I use soda. Soda. Yeah, yeah and, East Coast is soda. Yeah, Nebraska, it's pop. Mm -hmm. I, I still say soda from time to time just because mm -hmm. pop can sound weird. But I'm pretty sure, I, I want to say it's in the South, they'll just call it all Coke. Yep. And so maybe they also refer to root beer as Coke. And so in their I mind, a Coke float. I assume so. But no, I, I because think... Because if you... I assume that if you want a Sprite, you have to order a Coke and then they say, what kind of Coke? And then you say Sprite. Yeah. Uh, but I think that there are people that are mixing their ice cream with Coca-Cola and that, that sounds awful. Why, why would you do that to yourself? I have to check my facts and figures, <laughs> but I want to say that Burger King did some sort of ice cream and Coke something like it was a frozen it was frozen coke maybe was there a dairy element I'm not i do remember frozen coke sure. that wasn't too long ago i don't think uh but i want to say when i was a, when i was much younger um it might have been mcdonald's they had like the large coke glass cups that kind of bulged at the top and mm -hmm, those mm -hmm. i want to say those were for ice cream but i still it was always a root beer float mm -hmm. um 
but you know, thinking about the whole milk Coke and root beer floats, I can, I can kind of see it because even once the ice cream is gone, that root beer was delicious mm-hmm. to me, at least maybe it's not to other people. Uh, I mean, I've always been a big fan of root beer floats. There's really only like one short period of my life where I was sick of them. Uh, and that was because in college I had about 20 root beer floats in the span of a week. You know, you can't just stop there, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so again, there's this one year in college where I was responsible for my own food. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, this one is, it's more interesting than that. Uh, so my junior year of college, the University of Nebraska, they just opened up these new apartment style dorms on campus. Um, and it's worth noting that it's a dry campus. It is you cannot have alcohol anywhere on campus. And in fact, every RA that they hire on is like trained to just sniff it out and bring down the hammer on any poor kid that is busted with alcohol. Uh, so we knew this, you know, as we were uh, living in our, uh, or as we were moving into our apartment style dorm. Uh, and ours was actually, it was on the ground floor and it had a patio out in this courtyard, which was really great. Nice. And we had a, like a door out to this patio. And I think it was like either right before or right after we moved in, my, my three friends and I that were living together in this place, I can't remember which one of us it was, uh, came up with this idea. They realized you can buy a keg of root beer from a local place here in town called Misty's. Mm-hmm. And it looks just like a keg of beer. And we were like, let's throw a kegger on our patio while all the other kids are moving in. <laughs> so, you know, we oh want we want gosh. parents to see us throwing a kegger in this courtyard. Uh, so <laughs> that's what we did. We we went and we got a keg of root beer. Uh, it was only like 15 bucks. It was crazy. Really? Yeah. And they didn't even make us put down a deposit for the tap. Because normally they do that for an actual keg of beer, but they're like, who are these kids? These, what are they going to do with this tap? They're, they're just oh, getting right. root beer. Uh, but yeah, so on one of the move-in days, we were already moved in, but the regular dorms, they were still moving in. We rolled this keg of root beer to our patio. Uh, and then we had, oh I, I want to say we just like had a hamper that we put a garbage bag in and some ice around it. Uh and we had our red solo cups, of course. And so we yep. start, you know, just filling up red solo cups and, and drinking root beer. And a lot of people were kind of looking at us and just like shaking their heads. Uh, and I think somebody even yelled out into the courtyard, like, yo, you're in so much trouble. Uh, <laughs> and we we're just like, whatever. Uh, and then finally, it was probably half an hour. Uh the the main guy, he wasn't an RA. He was like a step above an RA. He comes waltzing over with his clipboard and two like younger RAs behind him. Like, oh, he's ready. Yeah, he, he's ready to give out some authority. Uh, mm-hmm. And he just kind of walks up. He's like, what's up, guys? And we're just like, right away, it's just root beer. And he's like, oh, thank God. Did he do a double check or did he just take you at your word? Oh, no, he did. And then we even said, like, do you want some? And he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. And so then he's standing there with us holding a red Solo cup, drinking it. And he, That's very funny. And then he goes, I got to go. This looks bad. <laughs> <laughs> and 
we did invite many people to come enjoy this root beer with us, but mm-hmm. a keg is a lot of liquid. It is. I don't remember the exact figure. I want to say it's like what fifteen gallons, something like that. We can fact check I that later. Tell yep. It's way more root beer than any group of four boys can can deal with, uh, and so. The only thing we knew what to do after that was to go get a whole bunch of ice cream and Mm -hmm. see how much of this root beer we can down with ice cream. So over the course of the week, we had a lot of root beer floats. Uh, It was also really hard to keep the root beer cold uh, Mm -hmm. because we didn't have any way other than ice to keep it cold and we couldn't make the ice fast enough. So then it got warm uh, and warm root beer is just terrible. Mm -hmm. So we eventually ended up dumping half of it probably. Uh, Before we gave the keg back. But you put in a valiant effort to try to empty as much of that keg as you could. Yeah, in all honesty, it didn't matter if we emptied the keg or not. We got the reaction we wanted from the RAs. Oh, my gosh. And that that made the $15 completely worth it. But, yes, that was the one time in my life that I was sick of root beer floats. Any other time, I would take one right now. It would be delicious. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing with milk Coke, uh, several people mentioned, you just... You mix some milk and some Coke and then put some vodka in there and you've got an official drink. I can't remember the name of the drink. I want to say it was like Colorado Bulldog, but that might be slightly different. I want to be honest. I don't think adding vodka to that makes that any better. <laughs> no. I don't know. I feel like a lot of uh, a lot of concoctions, you add vodka to it and suddenly it's uh, you can deal with the weird flavors and the weird texture that's going on because you're getting yeah. drunk. Yeah, I feel like if you're just using it as a vehicle to get the vodka <laughs> into your body, maybe. But even then, I don't think if, if if I went to a party and that was the house drink was milk coke and vodka, <laughs> I would I would BYOB. Yeah. Or just say hold the milk. Mhm. Mhm. Or maybe some people would yeah. say hold the coke. I don't know if milk and vodka is a thing. Vodka sounds like a bad time. (laughs) That sounds like that would curdle. Although I've had milkshakes. I don't know if I put vodka in it, but I've definitely had adult milkshakes where they put some sort of liquor in there. And that's delightful. That's a great time. A white Russian. Just milk Kahlua and vodka. Yeah, it's the Kahlua that helps it out. That's true. That is true. You can't just go milk and vodka because then you're just... That just sounds like you are ready for a wild time, and I am not coming along on that ride with you. Milk and vodka is the one step up from water and vodka for the for the people Ooh. that have the – maybe it's just the people that grew up on a dairy farm. <laughs> <laughs> dairy parties, yeah. milk drink, and vodka. Drink a little bit of milk with anything. Mm-hmm. They probably go for the unpasteurized milk and vodka. Probably. <laughs> yeah, just straight from the source. Yeah, so now at this point, I imagine we we there's going to be somebody out there that listens to this, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Milk Coke is normal. I have it all the time." But tell me more about this chili and cinnamon rolls because that sounds ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm here to say it sounds ridiculous. In practice, though, not so bad. Yeah, I mean, I think that's how a lot of these things turn out. It's just two unexpected things you put them together, and then somebody tries it and they're like, "Oh, that's, that's not that bad." And then it kind of grows on them. I've never done it myself, but I've heard of people putting cheddar on top of an apple pie. 
like a oh weird melt some sort of cheese i'm fairly certain it's cheddar on top of a slice of apple pie and i'm not out here doing that <laughs> but i think it's basic it, it's part of a charcuterie board in one bite i'm assuming see stuff like that desserts I, i'm not that big of a risk taker why would i potentially mm. ruin my apple pie by doing something like that i think it might be some sort of savory sweet combo so when my sister and i were kids we used to put grape jelly on top of a grilled cheese sandwich and i have only met one other person who has done it <laughs> and it's our it's our coworker ashlyn who has said Whoa. that's actually delicious grape jelly on top of grilled cheese yes that I mean, it's I'm, a salty sweet combo. Yeah, I'm obviously biased, but that sounds more ridiculous than cottage cheese with cinnamon sugar. <laughs> and I don't have a good story of where that comes from. All I know is that my dad ate it growing up, and then he taught us to do it, and then we just did it, and it was delicious. I don't do it now, <laughs> mainly because I am mostly just so excited to be grilling a cheese that I just eat it right away. And we don't, we don't always have jam or jelly in the house for me to, to just be like, hang on, let me put some jelly on this. Now does it have to be grape? Uh, I prefer grape. I feel like raspberry is a little bit out there. Well, raspberry jelly is out there anyway. I don't know who's (laughs) buying that. It is good on a PB&J, though. I'm strawberry all the way. Mm. Grape in a pinch. But yeah, grape jelly on grilled cheese sandwich. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is bizarre. I don't think it's that weird, but <laughs> I guess that I'm wrong. My sister and I were talking about it. We're, we were both saying, hey, remember putting jelly on grilled cheese? And I, I audibly said to her, I don't think that's that weird. <laughs> i don't think that's weird enough so she probably had an experience where she tried to eat that and somebody looked at her like what are you doing yep yep yeah if you've got fun foods that you've decided were fine and then someone in your world has said no that's gross what are you doing hit us <laughs> up we want to hear from you or if you got things that you're not sure if they're weird or not and you need to test them out, you just let us know and we will judge you accordingly. Yep. Yeah. We're going to put uh, some pictures of Milk Coke and Scrapple up on our newly formed Instagram. We are at coworking underscore podcast. So tell us about your, uh, I don't want to call them weird foods because to you they're not weird, but weird to other people, normal to you foods. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, We'll see you again in two weeks. See ya.